Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Silver and gold as the underdog. Now, it's almost funny calling them that because there's so much talk here on this channel and by so many other you know, very bright individuals in this space about how silver and gold have a proven track record, about how they have a history that dates back thousands of years, a history that includes uh, being used as money, as being used as a store of value. Gold was what adorned the palaces of emperors and of kings throughout the ages. Silver was what the people used as money for everyday transactions. Silver was what was used as currency in you know, the Roman Empire. We're talking thousands of years ago. And it maintained that value for thousands of years. And yet today I'm calling it the underdog. That's largely because of where silver and gold stand today in the whole scheme of things. Yes, gold is still accumulated by central banks. Yes, silver is still accumulated by some large commercial banks. Mints around the world still mint silver and gold coins. And yet, it's, it's a far cry from what it used to be. In fact, since 1973, when the dollar was officially taken off of the gold standard, thousands of years of history as money, at least officially, came to an end. And yet, you know, I think 50 years from now, 100 years from now, this time period from, from you know, 1973 until you know, somewhere in the relatively near future in the whole scheme of things, it's going to be viewed as an aberration. It's going to be viewed as a unsuccessful and dangerous, short-sighted experiment in how governments can get away with too much spending. They can get away with irresponsible policies. They can get away with ever-rising debt but only for so long. They can use things like uh, more and more money printing. They can use things like uh, the, the, um, the removal of, of any sort of backing of their fiat currency, especially when they have the world reserve currency status. They can use that to extend their power. They can use that to accumulate a lot of power, but in the end, it ends the same way every single time. Every fiat currency dies the same death. We saw the same thing back during the times of the Roman Empire, though we weren't talking about a fiat currency in the sense that they're issuing paper uh, money with, with no backing. Uh, you know, what they had back then was a silver currency. And yet over time, what the Roman Empire would do is when they would collect taxes, which at the time were silver coins, they would melt them down and they would mint new silver coins. But along the way, they would add additional metals. And so what was maybe a 95 or 90% silver coin after being melted down, might be reminted as a 85% silver coin, 80%. And it got to a ridiculous level where we're talking, you know, below 20, below 10% silver content. And of course, people caught on. It's one of those factors that ultimately led to the downfall of the Roman Empire. They need. They knew they needed to pay their troops. They knew they needed to pay the, the ever-rising expenses of an ever-grown empire. 
and yet they couldn't. It was unsustainable. And the same is true for the United States as well as much of the world today, whether we're talking about Europe, Japan, uh, or even China. You know, for all this talk about China being, you know, the next global powerhouse. Well, you know, maybe that's true, but China has their own debt. They have their own unsustainability problems as well. And so that's why I talk about silver and gold as sort of the underdog. You know, despite their run-up back in 2011 and 2012, uh, it's been a rough couple of years for those of you that have been holding silver and gold over that time period. You know, we're talking silver today around $16, gold around $1,300. That is a far cry from where they were back then at their highs, you know, roughly around $50 and and almost $2,000, you know, just as a rough ballpark number. It is a far cry from that today. And it's been years and years of stagnation. And I think there has unfortunately been a lot of people that have uh, lost heart. They have lost confidence in the metals for a variety of reasons. Maybe they were chasing after the next uh, uh, shiny thing that, that came across, uh, whether that is is Bitcoin or, or cryptocurrencies as a whole or a rising stock market. Maybe they got into silver and gold, not realizing that that they might be part of a, a, a long-term uh, uh, process that, that is part of, again, these thousands of years of history. Um, instead, looking to, to silver and gold for a short-term gain. Right, a big move up, a a five hundred percent, a thousand percent, a ten thousand percent gain in these metals, and when they didn't get it over a one year or two year period, or even they potentially went down during that time period, they lost heart. But but those individuals that left, um, for the most part, I think don't understand the fundamentals behind silver and gold, and why I do believe that they are the underdog. I mean, it, you know, especially as of late two thousand eighteen. Um, I think that was really a, a blood on the streets type of moment. In fact, there's been many time periods in the last couple of years where I felt that is true, where silver and gold have been uh, downtrodden by by the masses, by mainstream media, right? Let's buy into the stock market. Let's buy government debt, right? You you look at U.S. government debt, you know, trading around what two to three percent, maybe a little above three percent right now in yield. Well, look around the world. People are buying Japanese government bonds, German government bonds, around 0%. You know, when you account for inflation, a lot of times that's a negative yielding asset. Why does that make sense? You know, people are buying into the U.S. stock market at all-time high valuations. And in an economy that, again, is is driven forward by ever-increasing debt, by ever-increasing leverage, it's backwards, Right, um, and yet silver and gold are are hated by many. They're hated by central bankers, uh, governments around the world. Discourage the use of silver and gold or the purchase of silver and gold by the average people. You know, a great example I was talking about the other day was you know value value added taxes that are placed on many you know silver uh, products over in Europe or in the UK. Or how about India? You know, we, we all know that that in India, uh, silver ownership among, among private individuals is very common. Oftentimes they choose to buy silver and gold, whether it is in jewelry form or coins or bullion. Oftentimes, though, in more decorative, uh, maybe lower premium than what we're used to here in the United States uh, type of products in order to preserve their wealth. If they have a good harvest, we're, we're talking farmers here, if they have a good harvest, if they have a good year, they're going to choose to preserve that in silver and gold. In fact, a lot of Indians hold a lot of their wealth in precious metals and in real estate. And this is something that their government, 
uh, despises. They don't want their individuals to have that money out of this system. They want it in the banking system. They want it in uh, uh, nicely organized and accounted for uh, bank accounts, retirement accounts, et cetera, rather than allowing them to 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 put their future stock in precious metals or into uh, something like real estate. And, and and sure, you know, you could say that maybe part of it is just that they want uh, their their they want the best for their citizens going forward. But I think it's a little more nefarious than that. I think that you know a big part of why governments around the world uh, discourage the purchase of precious metals, despite oftentimes hoarding gold themselves, is because they realize the inherent power that is given to those that buy silver and gold. The fact that when you buy silver and gold, when you're basically making a decision to remove yourself, uh, even if it's by a small step, from the system, rather than storing your money in a bank account, a retirement account, etc., you're choosing to store it in your own physical possession. You're removing yourself from the system. In a way, you're conducting a mini monetary revolution. It's something I've talked about so many times here on this channel about the monetary revolution. If you don't like what government is doing, if you don't like what uh, big banks are doing, if you don't like what big corporations are doing, well, sure, you can go out and you can buy a rifle and start your own revolution if you want to do that. I would, I would advise against that, at least in this current uh, environment, right? You, you can vote against the people you don't like. You can choose, you know, you can choose to to immigrate to some other country. Sure, those are all options, but maybe one of the easiest and least violent ways that you can do that is to buy silver and gold. To remove yourself from the system, be part of your own monetary revolution. You know, going back to to the title of this video and what I said at the beginning, the underdogs. Uh, you know, right now, even despite a pretty decent rally over the last couple of months, silver and gold still remain very low. Stocks remain still very overvalued. Bonds remained very overvalued, and yet the fundamentals haven't changed a bit. The fundamentals for what will happen to the U.S. dollar haven't, or, or other fiat currencies around the world, that hasn't happened. The everything bubble, it's still intact. The Fed, the, even despite raising uh, interest rates, even despite quantitative tightening, uh, they're still implicit in theft, uh, i.e. inflation, uh, taxation through inflation of the American people. That is still going on, uh, but this is unsustainable. This cannot go on forever. And you know what? I'm sure there are many people that wish this had fallen apart back in 2015 or 2016. I'm sure many people wish this had fallen apart uh, rather than a massive rally after the 2016 election, that the stock market hadn't rallied as much as it did in 2018 following the Trump tax cuts. Okay, I get that. And maybe 2019 isn't the year. Maybe 2020 isn't the year. You know, I think we're getting closer and closer every day, but, you know, I hardly have a crystal ball in front of me. But we know this is unsustainable. We know that uh, just like the Roman Empire and their, their ever-inflating currency, you know, the same is true for the United States. Uh, a, an unstable currency is a recipe for disaster, right? Even if you are one of those individuals that believe that, hey, the Fed is, is going to do whatever it takes to save the stock market, whatever it takes to save the economy through things like QE, helicopter money, negative interest rate policy, etc. Well, you got to understand that the U.S. economy, the U.S. dollar, uh, the U.S. Uh, centric trade system around the world, the U.S. bond market, 
the stock market, the real estate market, all of those things would be nothing without the strength of the U.S. dollar. And so if they do undertake those inflationary policies, if the U.S. dollar looks more unstable than perhaps it ever has, well, guess what's going to come tumbling down along with it? Sure, there's going to be some stocks that are maybe uh, good to hold through that. They'll survive, companies that will survive. Some real estate properties that would be good to hold through that, sure. But as a whole, you're going to see a lot of instability at the political level, at the societal level, at the economic level. Um, and that's where silver and gold shine. They're the hedge. And, and right now, they're playing the role of the underdog. Uh, but, but you know, mark my words, there's going to come a time in the future where silver and gold will not be seen as undervalued. Even by people like you and I, uh, they're going to be overvalued. They're going to be in their own bubble. And that's maybe not the time to sell all of it, but there will be a time where they will be overvalued. And uh, this this uh, transfer of wealth that, that some people like, like Chris Duane uh, talks about, um, that'll be part of it. Millions, billions of dollars flowing into precious metals because people realize that they, they stand for something real uh, in, in a world that has been paved over uh, maybe one too many times. So, you know, that underdog moment, you know, the moment of, of the New York Giants back in that Super Bowl game, for those of you guys that are NFL fans, uh, uh, you know, throwing that, you know, Eli Manning escaping the sack and throwing the ball deep to David Tyree, catches the ball in his helmet, comes down with it, ultimately leading them to the victory over uh, a Patriots team that had not lost that year. Um, you know, that type of underdog moment, that's going to come for silver and gold. We're, we're going to be vindicated. It's just a matter of when the fundamentals are in place. The The track record, the history for silver and gold hasn't changed a bit. Don't lose heart on that. I mean, as I said, this is going to be, I think, viewed as an aberration, a failed experiment, not unlike failed experiments that we've seen in the past in regards to inflating currencies, uh, such as the Roman Empire, or uh, the the uh, issuance of fiat currencies. Uh, you know, every fiat currency dies the same death. Uh, and, and the U.S., you got to remember the U.S. economy, stock market, bond market, real estate market, society, etc., would not be what it is without the strength in the U.S. dollar that we saw following World War II. And, you know, when that one plank is removed, uh, you know, this whole uh, house of cards, I think, is going to come tumbling down pretty quick. And silver and gold will be left uh, standing like they have for thousands of years. So, as always, you know, I hope you enjoyed this video. I hope you enjoyed this uh, pep talk. I know it's not super heavy in the technicals, the 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 details and all of this. Um, maybe I'm speaking in generalities too much, but but I absolutely think it's true that right now silver and gold. Uh, I think maybe people that like underdogs tend to gravitate towards silver and gold, anyways. Uh, and and maybe you can let me know down below in the comment section if that's true for you. Uh, but but they are the underdog right now. But uh, I think they will be the victor over the long term. As always, thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast, watching this video, and God bless.